You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. uh, Everybody, guys, gals, how's everybody doing? Um, We are, that's it, this is it, this is the last recording before the 2019 NFL Draft. So this is it, no more pre-draft stuff, Uh, I know some of you guys have gotten tired of it, and that's fine, I, I, I totally understand um, but there's only so much to report right now. I mean, guys, do, do you want me and Pete to sit here and spend 10 minutes breaking down how it's the day before the draft and a beat writer's calling out Odell Beckham Jr.? Another beat writer is going to put a pay, uh, you know, uh, words to print calling out the beat writer for calling out Odell Beckham Jr., trying to enhance her own hopeful possible relationship with Odell Beckham Jr., I'm not sure that's what you guys want right now. We're a day before the draft, and if these people are working like they should be, they should be giving you draft stuff, not asking your number one wide receiver what he's doing today because he's not at a voluntary workout. Oh, Pete, by the way, did you see the picture of the defensive line? Oh, I God. Did. Did that? I think it moved, Jerry. I think it moved. Yeah, that that's, was... that's, that's definitely a little mango. <laughs> Yowzers. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. So guess as far as some hay in the barn, that's a hay in the barn. There's a defensive line. Go get a couple more pieces. Uh, we're gonna get into your daily delivery of all things dog pound here with Pete Smith. Um, we've got some. You know, obviously, you know, we're gonna uh, we're gonna do you know our own final mock drafts through the Draft Network Simulator. Um, but uh, Pete Pete's got a little news here. Uh, so Pete, uh, I mean, give out what you can here. Um, but you know, uh, so go ahead, Pete. Floor is yours. So, you know, for uh, obviously with all the support and everybody uh, who's you know stuck with uh, following me and all that stuff, and obviously through the pod, uh, I am largely in a in agreement with a company to make a move in terms of where my work comes from. So, uh, obviously get into it when I when I, everything's official and, and and all that good stuff. Uh, but it's a reasonably big deal for me. Uh, the good news is, you know, it won't change what I do in terms of the podcast. Hopefully it actually helps in that regards is a different way to sort of uh, keep bringing, uh, you know, information and all that good stuff and helps grow it. So um, sir, just wanted to sort of give people a heads up who have been uh, sort of obviously li- listening to the pod and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it, it will change uh, where, you know, most of the stuff from me will come from. Uh, but that, you know, everything else should be remain normal. It should just give me the ability to do a little bit more with that type of stuff. Uh, there's some things I've been wanting to do that I haven't been able to do that this will allow me to do. So it's interesting. I'm still sort of formulating how this thing's entirely going to work, but the bottom line is it should be good uh, and and good for hopefully you know those those who are, are fans and those who listen to the podcast. Um, well, I'll go the serious route first, um, Pete. Obviously, you know I, I appreciate everything you've done. I mean, you know you've been tight with me. You've been so willing of your time. We've been able to put out some great content. Um, so you know, more success for you. I, I could be more, th- more thrilled for. Uh, maybe you'll be able to buy a charcoal grill and smoke a ham on a holiday, like people do and enjoy. Um, obviously, a little busting stones. Well, and- if it go- if it goes well enough, then maybe I do a little bit better than ham. But you know, that's the thing. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, uh, you know, this do- you know certainly they're interested in what I do because of what I do. But that I don't think. You know, in this case, somebody came, you know, to talk to me about this. I don't think that happens without the support of, you know, the people who follow along. Certainly, Jeff and and the opportunity he's given me here, uh, and sticking with me, which I certainly appreciate, and it's been great doing this stuff. But certainly, a big thank you to those who have been supportive and you know been excited for what I'm doing and and like this type of stuff and interacting and all that. So that's. That's where you know it's a it's a big thank you to all those who have been sort of keeping you know willing to keep me around to do this. Again, I don't think this happens without it. So that's you know hopefully again hopefully I'll be able to give details out soon. But it should be interesting and and whenever it becomes official, uh, you know, 
I will probably just go ahead and announce it on here as opposed to anything else. But yeah, it's it's going to be great. It, it, it's uh, you know it, it works out in terms of timing of the draft. The draft uh, goes through. Uh, we get find out who we're getting, and I, and I think it's basically going to start rolling from there. But uh, when I know, you guys will know. Um, not bad for a fraud. So congratulations, Pete, on that. Yeah, you know, fraud, 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 fraud. So I hope you guys are listening. Uh, you know, frauds don't usually get opportunities. Um, but I will also say this, uh, dude, Pete. You know this. Any help you need, anything. Obviously, you, you know, you know, I got you back through this here. Um, so guys, there was a little sentiment moment. We'll get back to busting each other's chops. That was about what, maybe ninety seconds or whatever. That's about as good as as we'll get through this. Um, we are gonna get through here with the. Uh, we're gonna use the Draft Network mock simulator for this. And uh, Pete's going to do it. There's two options here. There's the there's the player rankings, which I am going to do, and Pete's going to do. Pete, what is the actual label for it again? The what? The player rankings oh, as opposed to predictive rankings? Yeah, there you go. Predictive rankings, player rankings. So we're going to go flip flop. Each one of us is going to do one here. We're going to do a final one of these. It, it's it's it, you know it, it's fun or whatever, but you know that's it. The mock drafts. That's you know we'll do this, and hopefully we can kind of twist this. And you're, you're probably. Guys, you're going to know the names if they're available for us. The way we're going to roll through this, um, I'll let Pete kick this one off here. As you know, I hit start draft on mine, and the beauty of this, guys, is look, you can pound these things out literally while you're, you know, you're taking a break from work, whatever, going to the water cooler. You can do these things about four to five minutes. It, it's simple, it's quick, it's easy. If you want to post them, uh, it's better do it from your phone because you can just screenshot it and send it up afterwards, guys. But you know, this is it, and you know, we'll uh, at this point, uh, I guess, we'll know Arizona's intentions. Which I don't know what they're doing. Uh, we still don't know what the New York Giants are doing. We don't know what the Washington Redskins are doing. I, I just, I, I think it's going to be a little bit of chaos tomorrow night because I'm not sure anybody knows what's going to go on. And the best part is, is you know, everybody else go ahead be chaotic. The Browns, it's just about filling a couple spots here. That's what it's all about. And thank God to death for what some of these teams might do that the Browns have Baker Mayfield. Thank God twice. Thank you, God. Uh, so I hit this. So Pete, go ahead, kick yours off. Oh, Quinn and Williams went over one overall for me. So yeah, this one's going to get a little funky. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, this ends up with, which is probably going to be what you end up with. But uh, Justin Lane, cornerback, uh, Michigan State, and today there's been rumors that you know he may go in the late first round. But that's not uh, today. That's been out there. Well, sure, but the, you know. It was just one more thing sort of thrown on. And, you know, the idea that that would be bad news for us, I suppose it would be bad news for the Browns, but, and I'd certainly love him to be on the Browns, but uh, good for us because we've been on the Justin Lane uh, train for months. So if January goes, 8th, I looked it up today. January 8th is when so it started. He, if he goes, you know, early like that, um, that would be great for us uh the idea that we've been sort of on this guy and he goes well and i think that's you know that's gonna be one of a number of guys in that uh in that range so that's that's good i, I mean i think he is the ideal pick uh so you know and and certainly i'm gonna run up to the board and grab him if he's sitting there oh and no doubt about it and actually well good enough for me and lucky enough for me and this is weird i don't know if they changed something here because maybe this is where they're playing player rankings. Because I know Julian Love was behind Justin Lane. I don't know if something changed over at TDN. I mean, now you got everybody's board. I mean, you got a consensus of four to five guys. Um, he's here. This is it. This is that's it. I have the cornerback duo that I need for the window and for the next few years here. Um, you bring, you know, and everybody's always with the Browns. Well, you know, the Ohio State guys, the Ohio State kids. Kids in your backyard, Benedictine High School. Um, I've gotten a talk, you know, messes with Justin a little a bit over the last couple of weeks. He'd love to be here. It's not like he would not be thankful for any opportunity he's given, but he would love to be here. And you know, this is an easy one. Uh, yeah, uh, draft uh, Justin Lane, no doubt about it. And it's it's what me and Pete have been preaching. If this goes the way it's supposed to go, the key here is going to be pass rush and coverage. That is going to be the key because you should be up early and you're going to have to stave, to, uh, you know, stave teams away and they're going to be throwing the ball 40 to 50, 45 times a game to try and catch up, to try and beat you. 
Get yourself as deep as possible in the defensive line. Get yourself deep as possible in the secondary. Find somebody else to work with Joe who can chase down backs out of the backfield and make sure those four-yard completions stay four-yard completions. Pete, you're up here in round two. Right, so uh, I'm going with a guy I think the Browns may chase after anyway. Uh, You know, because of their situation with Greg Robinson and the uncertainty there. And I think John Dorsey is a guy who always wants to shore up the offensive line. I think he's, uh, I think some may argue he's over cautious about it. I think he's right where he should be in that regard. You know, that's one of the areas where I agree with him. I, you know, again, I didn't love the Austin Corbett pit. I would have taken a guy, uh, the kid out of Texas last year. Uh, but, Nevertheless, I, I, I always appreciate a smart investment up front. Uh, so I went ahead and took Max Sharping at 80, uh, the offensive tackle at Northern Illinois. Um, he seems like a guy, he, he's obviously got significant experience uh, at left tackle, uh, has gone up against some of some very good players. I mean, he went up against uh, Brian Burns, for example, and and you know, good as gave as he got in that matchup. Uh, when he got his hands on, he won. Um, so I think if you give him a year to get prepped, I think he's a real contender to be a you know a, a starter for the foreseeable future at that position. It doesn't mean he's going to be Joe Thomas. Uh, but it does mean you get a functional player that's not going to, you know, hurt you, which is really what they need, uh, even if they want to do better ultimately. Um, no problem with that. And, you know, obviously I know you seem to be gravitating more and more to the importance of offensive tackle. Um, hopefully, gotta protect the gotta protect the franchise, my friend. Gotta oh, protect- oh, there's no doubt about it, and I'm totally with you in that. I, I I'm just. Not exactly sure how it works. For me, I'm looking at the safety position. That dried up really, really, really quick here. Um, So if Justin Lane does go in the first round where some people now are suggesting, which me and Pete suggested uh, two-plus months ago, whatever, uh, safety position at 80, if Justin Lane goes in the first round, just go ahead and put it in Sharpie. It'll be a safety if they do stay at uh, 49. 80, it's... It's a little weak. It, it, it's, it, there's not much there. Um, Pete went offensive tackle. I will not go that route, so I will go to what I do feel is very important. And now we go to, obviously, defensive tackle. And uh, this is where it gets tough because, like, this is where, like, it's, you know, like I'm kind of choosing one of my kids here. All my guys are available. Um, and just to light the fire under Pete Smith, the Draft Network's 71st overall prospect. Out of Arizona State University, defensive tackle, Rennell Wren. I don't care. I understand. I'm a man alone on this one. Rennell Wren, uh, fantastic athlete. I, I Nobody expected that, especially with the weight being put on. Um, obviously, are there highs and lows in this game? There's no doubt about it. He's not coming in here to start. He's coming in here to, you know, be a you know a guy who gets some reps. He's a guy who can pick the brain of a great athlete in Sheldon Richardson. He's a guy who can pick the brain of a great athlete in Larry Ogunjobi. And he's in a D-line room with great players and a lot of NFL success and a lot of overall talent. And him himself to the man said, you know, I understand there's things I still need to work on. And the other thing is I will always gamble on a guy whose father is in federal law enforcement. He's just wired the way you want him to be. I understand you all are different. That's fine. Uh, So for me at 80, Rennell Wren out of Arizona State, and we know the Browns have a ton of interest in this player. How many uh, how many players have you how many prospects do you know of federal law enforcement officials uh, as fathers to players? There's no grading scale there, Pete. There isn't. But um, my thing is, is if you were probably 21, 22 years old and you still have the fear of your old man, those are the guys I want in my building. That's. I mean, that's, it's just an interesting argument that, that you're always going to trust those guys, and you're you're at one. Um, all right. So. <laughs> oh come on! You know there's more. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm sure there are. I right? just it's fascinating. You don't know who they are. Uh, Pain in my ass. Um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see. This is difficult. 
Yeah, they, it seems like it really dried up. Yeah, I mean, we've done this before, and it seems they, like this well, one they, really dried they up. They basically fixed the rankings to make it more challenging, which is, you know, an indication that they're, they're getting, you know, getting it right. Um, so I will go ahead and one last look here. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I'll go ahead. I'm going to take uh, my guy Ben Burkirvin, uh out of Washington. Uh, I, I, you know, I, he you protect him. He flies around and makes plays. Uh, you know, he's fearless. Throws his body around. Uh, just you know, a ridiculous motor guy. Every every cliche you can throw out there. And for whatever reason, he has that that like uh, little brother syndrome where he you know he never stays down. He's always right back up, uh, coming back at you. And that's you know a nice uh, attitude to have in terms of you know for football. And then uh, I think he becomes the potential long term answer at will uh, for life after Chris Kirksey. Oh, okay, I, I'm okay with that. Um, and now for me here, this. This one got a little wonky because, uh, you know, I, I know the Ben Solak over at the Draft Network wrote a fantastic article on Caleb McGarry. And now I look at it, and here he is just sitting here at 119. Pete, we, we've talked about this guy. There, there were, there, unless something happened that nobody knows about, but there were talks about this guy going late round one as a plug-and-play guy, even though with his age. But um, he may be better than Chris Hubbard right now. So, uh, Caleb McGarry, he's available here, 132. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, his ranking 132, but the biggest 119, that's a slam dunk for me. There's no doubt about it. So now I've gotten my tackle. I've gotten my corner. Um, you know, I've, you know, uh, obviously I've gotten my defensive tackle. So we're you're pounding out needs. And so here, here we go, Caleb McGarry. All right. So, wow. There's some guys who really moved up the board. Um, did you see where your Did you see where your boy Hampton is ranked? Yes, undrafted, undraftable, steady, steady. He is steady. His stock is steady. Meanwhile, I think we all know who our seventh round pick is going to be. <laughs> Meanwhile, a guy whose uh, stock has gone significantly up on the on this board, uh, and I'll go ahead and grab him now because I don't want to miss out. Is uh, Cortez Broughton, uh, the defensive tackle from Cincinnati? I think he's underrated. I think this is actually fifth round would be, I have no problem with this. I'd be thrilled to get him here. Uh, they've got him ranked 214, which is higher than I think he was in the 400s at one point when we did this. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think he's a guy who potentially offers you the ability to play a little bit of nose. Um, pad level is the big thing with him, but he's explosive as off the ball. Um, if you watch him against, like, Ohio – He's beating beating the offensive line into the backfield. Uh, just just a guy who causes havoc. Uh, and and certain, you know, I think part of the when you see him sort of fall off a little bit, I think some of it's fatigue. And the Browns don't need him, at least hopefully, won't need him to play. You know, that many reps. Like if you're getting thirty percent of the reps or less, he just needs those reps to be a hundred percent. And I think he can do that. So I think he's got a ton of ability. I think uh, he's got the potential to be. More than just a role player, but certainly I will be happy to have him run five. Now, for me here, this worked out perfectly because um, we have gone with the emphasis of you can really probably do some damage with the linebacker position on day three. For me now, obviously you did the predictive. I did the rankings. I will go linebacker here. I have David Long on the board. I have Ben Burkirvan on the board. I have Jermaine Pratt on the board. So this makes it really tough. Um, you know, obviously Pratt, you know, we love. Obviously, you know, we we hoped he would have been a little bit more athletic. David Long, athletically, is a little bit of an absolute wild card at this point. Shut that damn dog up! Come on, somebody do something about that. Um, and it also, you know, uh, you know, Ben Burkirvan is here available. Um, obviously, with you going with, uh, you know, BBK, I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to go ahead and take David Long. Uh, guy plays the position like almost like kind of like a crash test dummy which you like, um, the athleticism, it, it stands out. And the other thing is there are so much responsibilities put on a linebacker playing in a 4-2-5, which West Virginia does. So David Long, linebacker out of West Virginia, will be my pick here with the first pick in the fifth round. 
Yeah, they're three three five. But three, three, yeah, five. yeah, they ask him to cover a ton of space in that defense. And tape wise and production wise, he's right there. It's just you know, for me, it's again I talk about what I can prove. And blind the spot. Browns, he's a blind if spot. The, if the Browns love David Long and can grab him, I think he's outstanding for a fit for Steve Wilkes. Me, I took the Yippee thing, like uh, what's currently uh, you know behind Jeff right now. Um, <laughs> that would be Gina. Gina's about 12 years old. She's deaf as a post. Somebody must have walked past her because she, she feels movement. She hears nothing. So I'm at 155, and I'm going to stay with the defensive line, and I'm going to go ahead and grab uh, Michael Dogbay from Temple. Never heard of him. I, yeah, I mean, he's sort of a little bit of an uh, unknown prospect, but uh yeah, you know, I'm hoping the the stuff about the Browns liking him is true. I, I think he'd be an outstanding. I think he's an outstanding fit in terms of the the locker room with guys like Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi. Those guys who are really really intelligent uh, have figured out what they want to do in life and are really dedicated to it. And that's certainly something that that fits Dog Bay. He you know obviously very bright but has decided this is something he really wants to do, even though he's got options, as do those guys, and uh, wants to be great. And I think he fits in with that in terms of work ethic and you know, just the desire to be great. Um, I'll come in with this here. Um, the narrator, it's true, they do. They do have some interest in Michael Dogbay. So, uh, you know, obviously, you know, and Michael, obviously, you know, been on the show, guys, as we mentioned, um, just a guy that we just absolutely, you know, Everything about him is just what you want. Uh, he's just a solid, solid player. And for me, the way the board broke, Michael Dogbay is no longer available. So apparently, things have changed over at the Draft Network. Um, I am going to take my second defensive tackle here, and this will be another guy that we know the Browns do have interest in. Did do an official visit. Um, a very, very weird college career down at UCF. Um some people, you know, obviously, uh, I forget who it was, but put out, uh, McGinn, I guess, whatever, put out the report on him. And, you know, sometimes you got to be able, you got to phrase these things correctly. You know, oh, his, mom's, his mom's been in jail for a year. Why don't you just say the kid's dealt with a tough life? Maybe some of that will explain, you know, why the kid is maybe a little bit aloof or whatever, or things of that nature. Uh, Tristan Hill out of UCF. I'll go ahead and get my second defensive tackle here um, between Wren, between Hill. These guys can move. They can make plays. They need consistency. There is no doubt about it. But they're not coming into this team expected to be starters. So, And you are around a great bunch of guys. So I'll go ahead and put Tristan Hill here from UCF in as my second defensive tackle here with my second pick in the fifth round, Pete. Okay, so with two picks left, uh, I'm – I'm going to go ahead and first I'm going to grab uh, the 373rd ranked player on this board for some reason. But, I, I, you know, I do think he's a good player and very underrated. And uh, I think uh, that part of the reason he might be overlooked is because he played on a team where, you know, he was it. Uh, and that's Saquon Hampton of Rutgers. Um, I think he can provide depth for uh, Demarius Randall. And, you know, if things don't go, you know, where they can negotiate that long-term deal and they, you know, aren't sure uh, if they can keep him, maybe Saquon Hampton shows enough where they, you know, think he's an option to be a starting safety for the future, whether that's, you know, immediately or down the road but not to mention the fact that right now if Demarius Randall were to go down it's basically like Eric Murray is it that's unsatisfactory so they got to get more I think uh Saquon Hampton is a really good fit for that uh and so you know especially in round five that's the type of player they need to get I'm not gonna go any further yeah I mean you know I don't care where he's ranked on their board um Saquon Hampton uh you know obviously the tape was good when you're on a piss-poor program where Rutgers is right now, um, and people are knowing of you and appreciate your game, and then you test really, really well, yeah, let's just get that out of the way. now. And Because, look, I mean, you have a aggravated Demarius Randall right now. There's no way around it. He's 
he's agitated. Apparently, the extension talks are not going the way he wants, which I get. And this market definitely changed once the season ended, once the free agency window opened, and maybe where to Demarius Randall is now. Obviously, the Browns are maybe uncomfortable where the market is. You know, Randall wants where the market is. It makes for a tough, tough situation to make sure all parties involved are happy or excited. But uh, you know, anything happens. I I don't want Murray and Morgan Burnett to be the safeties that are starting for the Cleveland Browns. Get something somewhere. This maybe could change the emphasis. Maybe we'll get to this a little bit later here as where the safety position is in this board. Um, obviously, with, with both of us going with Justin Lane at 49, it dried it up real quickly. Uh, but, yeah, I'll go with Hampton here, and that'll take us to the sixth round. Two picks left each. Right. So I went ahead and, and grabbed a guy that, Everybody is talking about in the top 100, and everybody needs to go to hell and get off the bandwagon. I'm not interested. Uh, that's Cody Barton. I, all these people are talking about, oh, he's going to go much higher and all this shit. And nobody talked about this guy till like a week ago. And I would be happy to have both Cody and Jackson Barton on the Browns. But Cody Barton could be a nice option for Sam uh, as well as depth in general, I think he could expand beyond that. He played that uh, what they call the Mac position at Utah, which did a little bit of everything. But you know, it, it, it would give them an option that's not just Jannard Avery playing Sam. Uh, if he's really athletic, I think he's a little bit of a big ball of clay. He's ridiculously strong. Plays really hard. Uh, you know, he's he's a guy who's really fun on tape. But you know, at times he he uh, his instincts. Don't serve him well, but he just plays his ass off. So, you know, when it comes to linebackers and getting guys like that, I'm all for it. Uh, me, I look, I, the skill player in me is not going to find a way to get out of this without going with a skill player. Um, tight ends, the way this ran for me, there's like almost like nothing left. And that's fine. That's fine. Um, I open up the wide receiver window, and I see a guy here available in Dylan Mitchell. Uh, Dylan Mitchell just has not gotten much talk a little bit slender a little bit undersized yeah that's right but the game is filthy the footwork is really really nice almost Keenan Allen-ish in, in what he can do you know obviously when he comes face to face the receiver and obviously the stem and, and breaking it off and he breaks it off hard and he breaks it off really really well I will take Dylan Mitchell out of Oregon here and it'll be a slow gradual approach for him but I am also in the process here where I may be losing two wide receivers going into the 2020 season. So I at least want somebody in tow who's at least familiar with the season. I mean, familiar with the system and ready to make the jump. So Dylan Mitchell, absolutely round six all day long. I wouldn't even think twice about that one. Yeah, I'll make a note on Mitchell. He's got everything athletically and production-wise. But the big thing with him is he's still 20. Won't turn 21 until May 16th. So, you know, he's... I would not be surprised if on draft day he goes much earlier uh, by virtue of that. But if he's sitting there and hanging around, he seems like the guy that could absolutely be a target for the Browns uh, to, for that exact reason. You know, you may, you're going to need more receivers for next year and you're going to want guys who can hit the ground running and getting them a year under their belt in the NFL, even if it's as depth uh, would be huge. So, in that vein, I'm going to uh, going to take a wide receiver myself, and I'm going to take a guy who I think is the next Richard Higgins. Uh, if you really like that style, it's not the most athletic, uh, which you know, not great. It's not exactly how I, you know my board works out. I'm, I'm actually passing a guy who would fit on my board. But I just like this the way this guy plays. That's Deontay Johnson from Toledo. Uh, athletically, yep. he's very much like Rashard Higgins. He's he's fine or underwhelming at everything. He's, he's him, but he's a but he's a really nifty route runner who knows how to separate and he knows how to make plays. And his production at Toledo, much like uh, Higgins at Colorado State, was dominant. Uh, and when they had, uh, you know, they had a real quarterback, uh, he lit everybody up for the, to the tune of like 1,300 yards. Um, and that's, you know, you, again, you're really similar to uh, Richard Higgins. So if you're looking at this and you're saying, 
we're going to have to move on. We're going to lose Richard Higgins because he's, you know, he has a good season. He's going to get paid. But you really like that type of player, of sort of who understands how to get open, who uh, who can go make catches like that. Again, similar investment in terms of a late day three pick. Higgins was in the fifth round, I think. Uh, Deontay Johnson here in the seventh round. But uh, again, this is a comp I really like. Uh, Deontay Johnson is a really nice player from Toledo. Um, well, that'll put me on the you know tee here for the 18th hole for the last one here. Um, and to this point, I've gone two defensive tackles. I've gone Justin Lane at cornerback. I've gone with an offensive tackle. I've gone with a linebacker. I've gone with a safety. I've gone with a wide receiver. So I'm driving around. I see Minshew available, which is interesting. I can't lie there. I look at the cornerback position. Um, Chris Boyd is still available, but he's got the same last name as Hiram, so there's no way in hell that's going to happen. <laughs> So I'm just gonna yeah, I'm just gonna pretend I never even saw that. I'm gonna peek over at Edge just if there's somebody there. Austin Bryan, a guy at Clemson, I do like and I do find interesting, but uh, it, it seems weird that you went four years at Clemson and you know didn't get to play much. Then I go to the linebacker position, and you know one thing me and Pete preach is athleticism. And here is Cole Holcomb, Pete. I know you, you know, obviously have mentioned him a ton. Obviously, you know, after the North Carolina Pro Day, you know, obviously the eyes opened up. But what I look at with a guy like Cole Holcomb as I take him is we don't know where the situation is with Joe Schobert yet. Obviously, there is no way in the world Pete or myself want Joe Schobert to leave this team. But you do get a little bit nervous about how, you know, John Dorsey and his staff view the linebackers. Uh, and you know, paying them big time money. You look at Green Bay. You look at Kansas City. Nobody doing the grunt work of the linebacker position. The edge guys get paid. The linebackers really don't. So that is definitely something that's going to cause you some pause and hesitation. But I'll go ahead and close this here with Cole Holcomb. Um, just you know, an athletic guy, and I mean, he can be a guy who brings Joe his coffee every day. If he's got to go walk the Showbert's dog or whatever to pay his dues. But here's a guy that is a great, great guy in round seven. You don't normally get athletes like this in round seven. You normally get the guys who, you know, aren't athletic, but the tape was good. I mean, if you look at it, if it's him versus a guy like Khalil Hodge, take the guy who at least has got the positive traits that should hopefully translate into something. So I'll close it out with Cole Holcomb. Freaky athlete. Uh, I don't. I'm not entirely sure he knows what he's looking at on a football field, but at the very least, he should be a missile on special teams. Oh, I do agree with that. There is no, no, no doubt about it. And you know, you get your, you know, you get your feet wet, get yourself started there. Um, we'll continue to move on here, but first, guys, iTunes rating reviews—they always help the show. They're important. They're integral. Please do me a favor. Uh, you know, open it up if you're listening on iTunes. Drop that five star. Drop that written review for me. I appreciate it greatly. Uh, we do have a ton, ton, ton of questions here, and you guys were fantastic about this tonight, and I cannot appreciate it more. Obviously, as we get to the last, last uh, you know, part here, before we get to obviously the 2019 NFL draft, um, Pete, we'll kick this one first down to you. Is and this is our boy Giovanni, Giovanni Ruiz, and I told you we'd get to this likelihood of the Browns trading Randall during the draft, since they seem to be at odds of the contract. Um, your last post kind of ended on a cliffhanger here. I don't know if it's likely, but it, God damn it, if it is interesting. Um, if you, again, this would be you know, either a move up or just straight trading him for a pick. Obviously, you would get a little bit less. Um, he's on a one-year, $9 million deal uh, and would obviously need a contract, but that is really interesting because if they were to move him, I, I don't think they're on the hook for any of it. Uh, but if they were to move him, essentially trade him for another safety, the prospect they like, uh, and they're basically to the point where they're, they're, they've made the decision uh, that this is not going to happen after this year and we think it's a problem this year. And I'm not suggesting it would be. But if that's the determination they come up with, I could see that being an interesting way to go because – what you could theoretically do is if, and I'll, I'll look this up as I go, uh, if you could theoretically move Demarius Randall and not have to pay any like dead money, and I, again, I don't think they do, uh, you could then theoretically have enough room to trade for another player. Um, no, I think this, they are stuck. I think they are stuck on the hook. Okay. But if, 
uh, yeah, if, if they, um, it's 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 entirely guaranteed. So that that's going to be a no go. But it would be interesting in that scenario just because it could theoretically mean that they trade for a player that is on a bigger contract, like a Patrick Peterson or a uh, Chris Harris or something along those lines. If they have somebody they don't like in terms of contract that they could move in one deal, they could you know theoretically use that money in another deal to get one of those players and, you know, sort of maneuver that way. But it, it does appear that they are on the hook for the entire entirety of this deal. And, uh, and if, you know, look, with him making $9 million this year, maybe, look, Demarius Randall, this is probably what you're going to get. I don't think you're going to get that 12, 13, but it, maybe not from Cleveland. But stay here, ball out what should turn out to be a very successful season for this team which could turn into you moving on, going elsewhere, and hopefully getting the money you desire. Um, you know, Demarius, a great player, it, it, it came over the addition, and look, he's going to go back to free safety where he's comfortable with. Everything's gone well to this point. Um, if he ends up being one of the guys that gets priced out, and guys, this is going to happen, so get used to it. There's going to be guys that are going to get priced out, and there's also going to be, you know, whereas Cleveland used to have to overpay there's now these schleps of the NFL that are going to have to overpay to get guys, and there's guys who just, at the end of the day, look, I want my damn money. I want it. Um, Demarius is maybe making a statement that he's one of those guys. So, you know, we'll roll through 2019 with him, um, and that's where you're at with it. And hopefully, you know, I, I have no question about him balling out week in, week out, and doing everything he's asked to do, because if you want that money, that's what you're supposed to do, and he'll do that. So... But, you know, he'll be here for the time being. Um, if somebody wanted to, I mean, say the New York Giants. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, Jabril Peppers and the uh, Antoine Bethea. But, I mean, you know, Antoine Bethea, got, he's had a really nice career. But, what, 12, 13 years. Tamarius Randall. I mean, but the you know, Giants, obviously, you know, have their issues and money as well, whatever. But uh, it's definitely an interesting question from Giovanni. Definitely, there's no doubt about that. Um, there's got a bunch of them here. There is a bunch of them. Uh, Stephen Thomas, who hopefully is going to find a way to join us, uh, you know, for some of the recordings we're going to do tomorrow night. Odds the Browns, Pete, make a pick Thursday night. More than I'd like. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I, you know, and I'm already prepared for if it's if it's trade for a player I like. You know, it'll be uh, the reaction will be. I. Uh, you know, I like it, but I'm curious to see if they can make this work. And if it's a player that sucks, it will be, what the hell are they doing? Um, I'll say 20. I'll say, what did I say last time? I think 33%. I'll stick with one and three. Yeah. Uh, um, I think that's about reasonable. Um, the rumors with that particular thing have already put me into just don't screw it up mode. Uh, in terms of the draft, I, I'm just worried that they're going to put all their eggs in one basket on a particular prospect, and they could use all the as they can get right now. Uh, so I'm hoping they, but again, if they pull off something, again, you know, it's like Odell Beckham or I also sure as hell hope that wouldn't mean that that's, you know, that they, that would mean they're going to try to move on from Larry Ogunjobi, uh, that if they get Simmons, it's because they want to have him as part of a really deep group and not, oh, I guess this makes it okay that we can, you know, move on from him because we've got another guy. Uh, yeah, so... The Sashi Brown, Brown cooties. Certainly Evan Silva is totally on that bandwagon. Uh, I hope that's not the case. Uh, we'll have to have Evan back here again to talk about that stuff. Um, and obviously Stephen Thomas again. Odds you think the LSU gentleman would restructure if it would help with a possible Patrick Peterson addition? That's a tough one. Zero uh, percent. Uh, look, look, they all want the money. They, they all want look, the I money. mean, this, this is not... I mean, you could look at this and be like, well, look at the Miami Heat. They gave up a, a very small percentage of money in a, in, a, in, a, in a career where they were all making stupid amounts of money, basically able to print it, and guaranteed to have a very, very long career 
football, there's not enough guaranteed. That'd be extremely risky. I, I, I just imagine agents sort of throwing themselves in front of this with all their might. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know he's your boy and all, but hold yeah. up. <laughs> you know, friends and all of that. I get it, but when it comes to actual money, we'll see. It's the same thing with, you know, the people are like, well, Landry will, of course, you know, restructure next year to stay with the Browns and stay with Odell Beckham. First, beyond pride, which is a thing, how much money are you going to give up to hang out with your buddy at a particular job? Uh, I, I, you know, let alone, you know, maybe th- t- between 33 and 50 percent of your, your money uh, of, a, of a given year. Uh, I think at that point, uh, Landry's more likely to say, release me. I'm 28. I'll go get a big fat contract elsewhere. And he would uh, and move on from there. And but even still though, even if you're boys and you're tight, what do you want? If you truly are boys, what do you want? You want what's best for everybody involved. And in this play, when you're playing professional sports, what's the best thing involved? Money. It's about money. It's always about money. It forever will always be about money. Uh, Giovanni had one more good one. This is something we touched on a little bit last night, Pete. About you know maybe not so much jump going from 49 into the first round. But maybe taking 80 and going north, assuming uh, Justin Lane drops to 49 and the Browns do take him, what range would you trade up to to make sure you could get another difference maker such as Thornhill? For me, uh, you select Justin Lane, you're on the phone right after that. You're trying to get, I mean, I want to be at 50. I I want to be in there by 60. And if three picks go by and the safeties, obviously with the mock drafts we just did, if the safeties are gone by then, then you know what? I'll, I'll stick around at 80 and I'll just start pegging off players off my board. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's, you know, a guy. and It's where Duke know, would maybe come into play too. Sure. Uh, if if it, the idea is they want two DBs, they get the corner, they want to go up and get the safety, they get the safety, they want to go up in the corner. Or, you know, it's they want – the offensive tackle of their their choosing, whether it's Max Sharping or Titus Howard or whoever, or you know they want Kalen Saunders or whatever it is. Uh, as soon as they get that pick, they high five, shake hands, and are back on the phones trying to go get who their guy is. Like I, ha- that's where I have no problem. Go up and get your guys after forty nine, or or a very small move up from forty nine. That. Those moves are cheaper, they're very reasonable, but you still get roster additions that can be really helpful, keep costs down, and get you the depth and role players you really need. Uh, once you get your guys, go get them. Uh, at, you know, the, my concern is, again, the Julio Jones deal, but on a much smaller scale. Uh, obviously, they went from 27 to 6 and gave up a ton of assets that Julio was great but they had so many fewer assets to sort of build around him. That's my worry is they trade up and let's say it's uh, let's say they go up and get Justin Lane at, at 29 or something. And he's great, but the assets they give up hurt them in terms of the long haul. That's where I have a concern. And and I, you can say it's on a smaller scale. It's not as big of a deal, but that is, that is what I'm worried about that. You don't have as many options. If he's great, everybody won't care, but that's my thought process. No, I do agree with you there. And uh, here's one from uh, Darren Scaife. I believe this is probably the first time. I, I, I don't know if I remember Darren's name before. Um, but a good question here. Now Seattle has two picks in the 20s. Do you think that they could realistically take two of the Browns' potential targets before 49, like Lane, Savage, Thornhill, or Chauncey Gardner-Johnson? Uh, yeah. Uh, Seattle, yeah, that's, I mean, Earl Thomas is gone. You need another cornerback. Um, you're hoping maybe, if you're going to look at this from a Browns lens, you're hoping maybe that they're going to look to you know go pass rush. There's rumors that they would be willing to drop from one of those or two of those. But, yeah, Pete, Seattle, I mean, that, that's a team that's very worrisome in the 20s for targets that we have at 49. Sure. Uh, they're definitely a threat, but so are the Chiefs. So in that sense, it doesn't really change the landscape for me. I think it's largely the same. It's just a question of what name is going to be up there, and if you're if you're talking trade, who you're talking to on the phone. Well, Justin but, Lane, but Justin Lane is a, he would fit Seattle. He would fit the Seattle cornerback mold. There's no doubt about that. Well, yeah, but I mean, like conversely, if 
you know the Chiefs are there, and could could they take Thornhill? Sure. I mean that's that's yep. that's the the thought process. I, I, so it really doesn't change much. Could they do that? Absolutely. But Seattle has a ton of needs. Um, offensive line, obviously, being one that I've hit on the mock drafts we've done. But absolutely, they could take a pair of DBs and try to rebuild that secondary. Uh, or they could, you know, try to get a pass rusher. Obviously, now that Frank Clark is gone, so the equation is no, not really any different to me. Um, it, well, I mean, just for the shits and giggles, Pete, I'll say you never know. Josh Jacobs could end up in Seattle. You know, I mean, obviously, yeah, that'd be great. Just <laughs> it'd be great, fabulous, absolutely. Um, you know, the Baltimore, you can never have enough tight ends. Seattle, you can never have enough running backs. Um, Pete, uh, look, I mean, obviously, we're you know less than twenty four hours out. Uh, it's, I'll, I'll put it to you. Gun to your head. What is Arizona doing tomorrow night? I think they'll take Kyler Murray. Uh, Are they going to trade Josh Rosen first, please? I mean, I don't think I don't think so. And, and I don't, that is—it's so. I mean, because are these other teams going to say, well, "Well, let's just gamble," and you know, if it doesn't work out, then we'll maybe we'll trade for. I, 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 it's it's just. I mean, look, if you're going to do it, do it, but get Josh Rosen the hell out. You cannot have Josh Rosen and Kyla Murray sitting next to each other. You just can't. You say that, but again, if you're betting, if, look, you can talk about you know egos and feelings and all that stuff. All I'm saying is if you're the Arizona Cardinals, you have to come away with a quarterback. So, you know, you can say you have to do something. I, I, I reject the notion that they have to. Is that probably what would ultimately happen? Yeah. And, and, and honestly, Rosen might be worth more after the draft than he is before the you know before or during the draft. Because if, you know, Team X is – is has been sort of toying with the idea of getting Rosen, but they're not sure because they think they can get, you know, quarterback A, B, and C, and then they don't get any of them. And then after the draft, and they go, oh, shit, we got to get a quarterback. Well, I guess we got to get go get Rosen. They might be able to get more out of Rosen in that scenario. So I don't think you have to move him. I certainly understand why, you know, people think they should, and, and you can talk about fairness in terms of Rosen. But the NFL, nothing about the NFL is fair. Uh, and if you're the Arizona Cardinals, it's you have to find a quarterback. If you are uh, Cliff Kingsbury, that is the one thing you absolutely have to get right is get a quarterback. And even if you take Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen ultimately becomes the guy and you have to move on, so be it. But you cannot be Cliff Kingsbury and not get the quarterback. Yeah, well, I mean, it's fine if you have nothing else on the roster or whatever. Um, Quinn and Williams, Ed Oliver, who gets drafted first? That's interesting. I will still say Quinn and Williams. I think, uh, you know, I, not not to say that the Jets don't like, you know, Ed Oliver may take him there. I just think the Jets will take just about anything to move down a couple spots first. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, half a sandwich. Like a seventh. <laughs> They'll, they take Chad Thomas to move down two spots. I mean, they they are, will take anything yes. to move down a couple spots. Uh, not only because they, I think some of it's a little bit of money, but they do want some more shots. They really desperately want to recoup some of the assets they 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 use to go up and get Darnold. I don't blame them for it, but yeah, I think they will find a way. Uh, yeah, I mean that's the. I mean it's, it's the it's the yang to the ying. I mean, look, you went and did it, and you got Sam. Obviously, not enough happened where you're still in this position. But, I mean, I think pick three could be had for a song. If the Jets could say, and even you hear the Redskins rumors, and which would put the Jets to 15, which may put them out of what they truly need. But, I mean, the eighth trade down from the New York Jets. So, you know, you're anybody who's looking to trade up, uh, you might be able to swindle the New York Jets and swindle them hard. Saturday, Pete. Come seven o'clock when the 2019 NFL draft is over, is Duke Johnson still a Cleveland Brown? I'll say no, and I, I don't feel confident about that at all. But I think somehow, some way, they'll move him in a deal. It, it may be settling for a 2020 pick, but I think somehow, some way, they'll figure out a way to do it. And and you know, certainly, again. The OBR, and they've said this publicly, so I'm not, you know, again, I don't like messing with people's money. But Lane Adkins has come out and said, 
you know, they could move multiple players. Now, God only knows who the other players would be in that scenario. Uh, that has me very concerned. Uh, but, you know, they may try to move Duke Johnson in terms of a package with something. Maybe they include Chad Thomas and just sneak him in there and hope nobody notices. Um, <laughs> but there does, there does appear to be, or at the very least, John Dorsey has sort of made certain things available. It doesn't mean they'll happen, but he, he is definitely the guy who doesn't seem to rule anything out. Yes, uh, guys, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you don't know all about Himalaya, so check out Himalaya. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Browns over there on the new Himalaya podcast app. New uh, curated playlists every day, new features. Uh, if you're looking for something different in your podcasting world uh, and where you listen to them, go ahead and check out Himalaya. First receiver off the board tomorrow night, Pete. Who did I have? <laughs> Um, I think it was uh, was it AJ? It was AJ Brown. Yeah, I had AJ Brown. I, I'll say Marquise Brown. Uh, I think somebody's going to grab him. He's just stupid, stupid fast. Well, I mean, like, look, you know, if you believe he's Deshaun Jackson, and it seems like a lot of people do, you know what that looks like, and it's very easy. Um, the one I don't get, and, and, and I'm not ruling it out of the people who think Paris Campbell could be that guy, unless it's the Ravens and unless they are really committing to that freaking wing tee and having him be a wing back, that's the one that baffled me. So I, I, at this point, I will go with Hollywood Brown. Okay. All right. So we have that established. The first running back off the board. Is, does Josh Jacobs really go in the first? Uh, let's go with this way. Does Josh Jacobs really go round one? I'll say no. I let, let's put this. I'm rooting like hell for the kid. Please, please go round one. But I, I get finally get down to a brass tax. I don't think it'll happen. So no running back goes tomorrow night. Right. That no running back. Which I agree with. There's. Yeah, I, I agree. They, they, nobody. You do not look at anybody in this class and say they are worthy of a round one pick. No. There's no way. No if and or buts about it. I do not want to hear it. Uh, will the Cleveland Browns draft a quarterback in this draft? No. You seem a little hesitation, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, I mean, but but why? Well, I mean, what do you, you're not going to roll to camp with four. I mean, you, obviously, well, you no, you will roll to camp with four. It's just a question of how you get to the four. I, I think it's an undrafted Exactly. I agree. I agree there. I absolutely agree there. Um, and we'll cl- uh, we'll make this the last one. Our boy Justin Lane. <laughs> I think it's over, Pete. We ain't got a shot at forty nine, do we? Um, I would, I would, I will say no with, but I mean, stranger things have happened. I, 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 you know, I, I think the team that's really a threat to take him is still the Colts. I think he really, really fits well. Although the Colts may be a team that could really be a threat to go get either Chris Harris or uh, Patrick Peterson. If those guys are really available because they have the assets and the cap, cap flexibility to do it. Um, I don't think he'll make it to 49. I think he would. I will say he will not go in the first round. Okay. Then, uh, obviously, the safeties that we've spent so much time on. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Juan Thornhill, Darnell Savage. You don't have to give teams. They go off the board in what order as far as what name goes first, one through three. I'll say Juan Thornhill goes first. This is where it's tough because it's it's based on you know what people are saying. I will say Juan Thornhill, then Chancey Gardner Johnson, then Darnell Savage. Uh, the stuff you hear about wow the vir- it, the virtual unknown goes third. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, the stuff with Chancey Gardner Johnson in terms of like people being weird about his personality and that he's selfish or whatever. I, I think there are too many teams that are like, yeah, so is every player. We can deal with it. Um, <laughs> he's really, really talented. And he, he just – he seems like he could be really, really special uh, if he gets put in the right situation and, 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 and is groomed properly. And, I, I mean, I think we all know this, but what will be the biggest, oh, shit, what the hell are you doing moment tomorrow night? Whatever the Giants do. I mean, it's just... Wherever they take Daniel Jones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, the the Giants... 
like there, there's a real argument that the Giants should have security escort Dave Gettleman out before they make their second pick in the first round because it's just that stupid of an idea. Uh, if you talk about Daniel Jones, if you talk about trading up for Daniel Jones, if you talk about taking Daniel Jones at six, if you talk about taking Daniel Jones at 17, Sam goddamn Darnold was sitting there right there and you took a running back and you're now in a situation where you're going to come out of here with Daniel freaking Jones. That will haunt the Giants for years and years. And it's worse because it's the Jets, and that is the absolute worst thing they have. That is worse than than if Sam Darnold went to Washington, Philadelphia, or Dallas. It's yep. the Jets, so they have to put up with that in their town, on their radio, all in their that. stadium. <laughs> yes, in the stadium. That is the thing. Dave Gettleman w- will be in effigy at some point if Dan- they take Daniel Jones, and he sucks like most people expect he will. Okay, um, I'm going to give you this one here today. Um, Mike Francesa, obviously radio icon, and obviously went off and retired kind of and was going to go into the whole app world and do his whole thing, which didn't work out very well because um, nobody's going to pay $100 for a calendar year or for a freaking app. So went back to do radio. Um, somebody asked him today about Jonah Williams, and I don't normally listen to radio, but obviously this time of year. I, I, I will, obviously, with the drafts. Somebody called him today about Jonah Williams. And Mike Francesa did agree with Pete and I and obviously some of the guys that we do appreciate and you know, we value their work. He's a guard. And so, you know, should the Giants draft him? If the, Gi- if the Giants drafted him at six, that'd be a great, great move. So let's see. You drafted Will Hernandez in the second round last year. You traded for Kevin Zeitler. But you're okay with taking Jonah Williams at six, even though you think he's a guard. Pete, one of my heroes, just an absolute fraud nowadays, dude. <laughs> absolute clown. What I don't know is if he doesn't realize they have Kevin Zeitler, if he doesn't know who Will Hernandez is. I don't know which of those is the right answer here. But, yeah, look, I mean, he... Sure, I mean, that three-guard offense. I mean, this is college basketball. It works, right? He is a husk. Let's be honest. He's a husk. He's certainly not what he was. Um, but it's even, unfortunate. But where it's he got fed all his info. Live, if, if, you li- if you're in New York, he's a big deal. If you live anywhere else, you don't give a shit. Um, but it's if you are somebody who's big on New York, it's got to kill you to what Mike Francesa is now compared to where Roos, uh, Mad Dog is in his career because he's still crushing it. And Francesca. But he, gets, but he gets by on personality. That was always a thing. Francesca always got by by with knowledge. But now it's like, you know, and he just talks and it's, well, there's some really good players in this draft and this and that. And so, well, you don't know anybody's name. Well, get somebody on here. You're Mike freaking Francesca. Uh, you can get anybody anywhere. Daniel Jeremiah. But it just, you, you try to come off like the shaman now and you're kind of like, the grandfather who's got to be reminded, hey, did you take your pill after your tuna fish sandwich at lunch because you need to take your medicine, Pop-Pop? That's the way uh, it works. I think Mike Francesca has entered a dangerous place I like to call the grossy zone. Did you hear about – Dave Portney from Barstool called him to do one of the pizza reviews with him. And for, I know Francesca – he's talked about him. He knows the guys from Barstool because the guys from Barstool, like, they – they're weird, but they do give respect to the fact that, you know, the reason that most of us do what we do is because of guys like Mike Francesa. And then he was like, no, and then all of a sudden, I guess, like, the people who are now advising him were like, well, this would probably be pretty good for you. Dave and I will have to organize our schedules. I'm telling you, people, get ready for Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports and Mike Francesa eating pizza in Saratoga, New York, about the racetrack. That is going to happen, and it's going to be the weirdest thing is ha- in the world. And then the bar stool stoolies are going to troll the living hell out of him afterwards because Mike has no idea what this world is about. Yeah. Um, I, I could. I, I, there's an avenue where it could be successful for Francesa, but I expect it's going to somehow blow up in his face. Maybe he'll stay awake for the whole thing. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, well, I, I gotta go. I gotta, I gotta place an exacta on the on the race in the fourth, and uh, get the hell out of here, and all that good stuff. But uh, guys, it's the Pete's been I, first things first. Thank you. I mean, this 
we decided to commit to this and, and do this draft stuff together. Um, look, your passion for it, my passion for it, and you know whether you know it's dismissing a player or propping a player up, it, it's been fun. And you know, it's almost kind of like you know, uh, you know, you know, obviously, you know, that's it. You know, uh, dress rehearsals are over. You know, uh, costume ready tomorrow night. Let's rock. I mean, it's it's every draft is fun. There will never be, you know, obviously we're doing this from a Browns lens, and obviously the last two years, it was ridiculously heavy what Thursday night meant and the first night of the NFL draft. Now it's more of a, you know, like you're kind of playing like, you know, high-stakes cards where you can throw anything back that you want. But now it's you just sitting back, you know, waiting for the cards that you want and waiting for it to fall into your lap, and then you pounce. Right. Um, that's, you know, that's going to be the word this is really interesting is is – I, I understand Dorsey's generally an aggressive guy, and in some respects that's been very good for him. But uh, obviously, you know, if, if Mahomes, you know, that that's obviously a, a huge deal for them. Uh, for the Browns, you know, going up and getting Antonio Callaway, so far so good on that angle. Um, we admit, we admit it, raise your hands. Actually, there was one, that was the one we should have talked about two days ago, Pete. Remember when somebody asked about our biggest misses of well, 2018? I, let's put it this way. I hope we continue to be wrong. I hope we don't have to come on here and talk about, you know, he did something and, you know, we were proven right. I hope he continues to be a solid citizen that has continu- just continues to make us eat shit on that. Because maybe, that would be the maybe best money thing. open the light. Maybe money open turn the light on for him, hopefully. Or whatever, but... If that that would be the best case scenario, if a guy makes us wrong because he's become a better human, um, great. I will be, happy. but you know that's the thing where I don't want to like, you know, say oh we, you know we were 100 percent wrong and then it turns around tomorrow and then you know we've got a situation and we're there. So with him, you know, I hope like hell it stays the way it's going because he looks like he could be great. Um, but no, as far as Dorsey goes. I'm curious to see if he can be patient. If he can be patient, I think it may work out really, really well for him. I understand. Go up and get your guy to a certain extent. I'm just hoping he can make it to 49 before he does it. Absolutely. I mean, and look, I mean, you know, moving up the 2020 assets, the problem is it's a calendar year away, and there's so many things to factor into it where contracts didn't work out, such as Demarius Randall. Injuries, there's just so stinking much you do not want to leave yourself with a shorthand a year away and then all of a sudden a whole bunch of things change and now you're a little bit behind the eight ball and you've got no way to correct it. And I understand everybody who's like, well, no, the window's here, the window's now. But you know, when you say window, it's not a season. A window's supposed to be two, three to five seasons. I think people are misconstruing what window actually means yeah i mean that's that's it you you have this four years and you want to make the most of them but at the same time you want to avoid what we think uh is kansas city screwing up theirs uh we'll see how it actually works out um understanding when to be aggressive i think in some ways john dorsey's been great on that odell beckham Olivier vernon i think those are great moves uh i hope that continues I hope he doesn't get too far over his skis and put them in a situation that he cannot get out of or, you know, puts them in a situation that ultimately hurts them chasing a Super Bowl because, you know, this is great. So far, they're in fantastic position. Should be the favorite to win the division. Injuries, luck, and all that. Uh, but this is a really great opportunity to continue that. So being right about this is definitely important. All right, guys, we're going to put a bow on this here. Um, obviously, we've covered, guys, we've covered this for you, you know, from soup to nuts. Um, there is some sites in Cleveland, well, you know, people don't really know about some of the names that are going to come to the Browns. Um, guys, if you're listening to this show, and I have, we have people who have come out today from across the pond, live in Europe, and say, I know 200 prospects in this draft because of Locked On Browns. Obviously, that's Pete's work. Obviously, that's my work. And... It, 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 we appreciate it a ton. And we told you we were going to be able to cover the living daylights out of this. And the fact that once the Browns moved out of the first round 
and they were left at 49 with their first overall selection. That was going to be good, you know, for the show that, and the work that we do here, because we will go in depth. Um, if you guys check a bunch of these other podcasts, and look, I, I'm not trying to kick shade on them, because I talk with all of these guys, but we do this, we do this work, and we know all these players. Um, you know, Pete knows, uh, you know, obviously, you know, uh, athletic stuff out there, yin yang. For me, you know, I get to talk with a bunch of these guys, and I get to know kind of like how they're wired and stuff. We were able to bring you stuff that other Browns podcasts, including the own Browns, I guess they called it, you know, PPA, I think they called it, whatever it is. But we put in the work to do this, and we're, we're proud of what we've done, and we are so appreciative of everything. Uh, you know, Pete's obviously going to get himself here to uh, what should be, you know, a better gig for him, which helps him, and which is fantastic. And I, you know, I'm happy for him. And this is because of the work and the the culmination of our efforts. Um, it, it's been a good partnership. We've got each other's backs. Um, whether it's dealing with a mother-in-law having to stay with you, whether it's you know <laughs> dealing with one poor guy dealing with his mom coming to visit for way too long, uh, it, it's been good. It's been fun. Um, I don't know if Pete, you got anything else coming out at Spin Zone, or are you good now? Is, is that is everything? The haze in the barn for you? I, that's the thing. I'm not entirely sure. Like I was writing something, and I'm not 100 percent sure on it. Uh, I was gonna. It, it, I suppose it could still end up happening. Some uh, some some draft predictions for tomorrow, and I and I honestly don't know. Uh, that's that's a good question. Well, who knows, guys? Uh, Pete may have a ham sandwich. Maybe he'll be enlightened to write some more, or that's it. We're done here, and let's bring the madness of what will be the 2019 NFL Draft. Um, check out Pete for now at over NFL Spin Zone. Uh, go ahead and follow him at underscore Pete Smith underscore. The Locked On Browns Twitter account, obviously, as you guys know, it's a follow-back account. And you guys have been fantastic, and with the growth of the show, and uh, I'll be honest, guys, it, as much as it, as much fun as covering the draft is, I cannot wait to get back to actually talking about Cleveland Browns football because that is where the expectations are at. That's where the excitement level is at. I want to see Baker to Odell and you know Nick running up the middle with you know. You know, four you know, with four receivers spread out where they cannot contain Nick because they have to worry about the guys on the outside, and that defensive line just cracking skulls, and Denzel Ward hopefully graduating in a year two and, and just becoming a dominant shutdown corner, and Joe Schobert continuing to be the leader of this defense. But yes, I, I will love the next three days and what comes down, and obviously you know. Right now, it's scheduled to be eight new Browns coming into it, and we're looking forward to every drop of it, and we were going to cover the living daylights out of it. Hopefully, Stephen Thomas is going to join us somewhere along the line here with this draft coverage. I do believe Mike Kruka out of Hawaii is going to sneak his way in here for an episode or two, which will be fun, because once we get into those defensive line, obviously, you know, Pete, me, Mike, we've all had a bunch of fun with that. But it's going to be a blast, and we'll get through this draft, and then we'll get, you know, obviously we'll get back to work, and then we'll do some PFF time with John Costco, getting the college backgrounds as far as that. But we just got a lot of fun stuff coming here. Then we'll get to June where you get to the meaningful, you know, uh, OTAs, and let's just get to late July where that's it. Let's get rolling, get the train on the freaking tracks. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, I, I, I just cannot be more thankful for all the appreciation from everybody here who listens and follows like i said keep those itunes ratings and reviews coming this has been the final pre-draft episode of locked on browns your daily delivery of all things dog pound lgb on the lob let's go browns